the coin boys, your average everyday crypto bros. That's right, it's Andy, producer BTW or producer by the way. And sitting right across from me is Daniel Gutierrez. What's up, everybody? I said it right. You did it. Good job. I always stumble on it. You're having trouble with last names today, but it's all good. It's all good. What's up, man? Nothing much. Just uh, enjoying. Another Monday, huh? Yeah, enjoying the Monday, enjoying the rain with you. Yeah, the rain in LA. We're going to cuddle later. It's going to be nice. No, we're not. But anyway, (laughs) just real quick before we get uh, and introduce our guest, our guest host on today, uh, top of the show stuff, we have a contest, 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 Daniel. Yes. uh, With Bit Ninja, who's our merchandise guy. All you have to do, honestly, to join this contest is call a number and leave a voicemail. Uh, And be sure to clearly tell us uh, a way to contact you, either a username or something, because uh, sometimes it gets a little unclear. But I did find... Uh, Blakely, Crypto Blakely. Oh yeah, he left from a message. La, from the, the guy who left the message last, last week. It was cool. He's a nice yeah. guy. Cool. Right so again, th- that number is 424-372-7437. All right? Yes. And also, I forgot to mention, the prize is guest host spot on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a full show, just chilling with us. And also a crypto crate from our, our partner and merchandise buddy, BitNinja. Uh, BitNinja. So shout out to him. Again, find all of our podcasts on thecoinboys.com. We have SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play. Uh, our blogs are up too. Yes. We have a new article about how Wax uh, actually joined with Fanatic, which is big esports crypto gaming news. That was fun. Which was cool. Uh, Daniel wrote a nice little blog about it. Yeah, a lot of help from Wax. <laughs> but uh, also tomorrow... We're doing this kind of new setup. We got a, a daily news episode on Monday, and then we got our kind of more in-depth interview episode tomorrow. So I'm going to throw right now to a real quick clip of Taylor Monahan from My Crypto. You know, originally we started as My Ether Wallet, and we started that sort of project company thing not um, – not with the intentions of starting a project or a company, but, you know, simply as a solution to a common problem in the ecosystem. And that was when Ethereum first launched, um, there was really no way to, like, send funds around or even, like, create a new wallet without using the command line, which is, like, that terminal hacker-esque thing that you guys might be familiar with. All right, so that was great. Check that out tomorrow. Uh, but let's get and right into well, the show. Really quickly, though, oh, if you well, want to get it? those those longer interviews in the future, yeah, you're going to have to go to our website, thecoinboys.com, and join the coin family. All you got to do is give us an email that we can uh, send whenever we have a longer um, interview out. or It's going to be through SoundCloud, so you're going to be listening through that way because we're changing up um, how we're doing the whole releasing of them in the future. So go let's to thecoinboys.com, sign up. You don't even have to give us your real first name, but we do need an email that we can contact you with. Okay, so yeah, you, you heard Daniel. Yeah, let's do it, guys. Uh, join the coin family. Uh, but we were excited. Uh, again, uh, I'm more excited that we have another guest host for our Block News Daily episode here. I have Rock Zach Arias. Zacharias. Did I say it? Rock Zacharias? I said it right. You right? got it. Yes. You nice. got it. Dude, so uh, thanks, <laughs> thanks for joining us today, man. We really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Glad to be here. Been a fan of you guys for a while. Yeah, and we met on the crypto yacht. Which was cool. Which I didn't get to go to, which but Daniel I heard didn't it get to was go. filled with Costco pizza, which is the best kind of pizza. There was Costco pizza. Oh, you you missed out, man! It was great. <laughs> it was. Yeah, it was. A, it was. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, the got, guys over at, the guys over at Blockchain Beach do a real real good job of throwing some some really top notch events. Definitely recommend anyone that gets a chance to go yeah. out to them. I think they're going to have one after the new uh, the crypto uh, security 
uh, shoot, it's by yeah. Joseph Holm. The guys from uh, CIS. Is it? The, they're going to be throwing a new one. Oh. Yeah, they do. They do one. They're trying to do one monthly. I know they're starting to do one in a couple of weeks, and uh, it's really cool what they what they do. And yeah, shout again, out to Austin and Maddie and all those guys and everybody over there. <laughs> so, Rock. Anyway, right off the top, why don't we just kind of introduce uh, what you do in the space currently in cryptocurrency? We might backtrack into a little bit of your background, but let's talk about what you do now for uh, crypto. Sure. Yeah. So I'm uh, president and chief business development officer over at Lunar Digital Assets, uh, as well as um, co-founder of the new publication and podcast website, Web3 Journal with Andrew Lee, who I really respect in the space, really look up to. Uh, And then also founder of the Kryptonaut Society Facebook group. I love that name, (laughs) Kryptonaut. (laughs) Uh, I've seen the crypto. Yeah, we before. just had a renaming contest. It was originally the, the uh, it was a uh, crypto university, and then now we had a renaming contest where we gave out a prize of uh, Bitcoin for uh, whoever came up with a new name. So it was a long contest. It kept changing the name, and finally we came up with the Crypto Not Society. Well, let's go with uh, let's start with Lunar Digital Assets. What do you yeah. guys do with Lunar Digital Assets? Yeah, so Lunar Digital Assets, we have three primary pillars. Um, it was a, it was basically a, a group of a bunch of friends who were just really into crypto, really enthusiastic about the whole space. And so started forming the idea in 2016 and then came together as an LLC in 2017. That's when they actually brought me on in January of 2017. I actually had my, uh, company, uh, in the medical marijuana space nice. where we had where we had a huge revenue, really successful company. But I actually, when I was offered the job with Lunar, I actually sold within like a month. I sold my company. Really? Oh, um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Took a, took a big pay cut at, just because I love crypto so much. I, I was already spending 12 hours a day plus, you know, in crypto trying to build communities and things like that. And so I just decided, you know what, if I'm doing this all day anyways, I might as well, uh, you know, work with some people, some like-minded individuals who are doing big things in the space. That's that's huge because, I mean, obviously the medical marijuana, the, any cannabis industry right now is obviously booming. But did you see something in crypto that you just felt you wanted to jump onto? Yeah. So, I mean, both spaces are kind of, you know, some people look at it as, you know, some of the biggest possible ways to make money. So, you know. I'm not too worried about that. You know, I, I, like I said, I took a big pay cut, mm-hmm. but I knew that in the long term, crypto uh, had opportunities for just massive financial gain. I mean, we're, we're literally changing and transitioning the entire world over to a new financial system. And this only happens, you know, this doesn't happen very often. No. We've only seen this happen. Maybe, you know, Andreas Antonopoulos says this is the fifth change in money ever, you know, coming from, um, you know, we had things like rye stones and we went to gold Mm -hmm. then we went to fiat currencies then credit cards plastic and then now finally cryptocurrencies so this doesn't happen often and those previous transitions there wasn't as much opportunity because a lot of them were centralized and ran by governments even you know you had the roman empire with their coins and they were clipping coins and debasing coins which was part of the fall of the roman empire and then now you know now we have an opportunity where everybody can get involved with this and anybody who gets in early will see you know the benefits of it we'll we'll get the gains from it so you know i i i like that 
you know, people come for the sick gains. I think it was Seifedin Amos that said yeah. people come for the, the sick gains and then they stay for, you know, the movement. Yeah. I mean, I will say that the, the transition from fiat to plastic was, wasn't as too, wasn't too dramatic of a change because they were just basically using the same system, just different right. methods. Right. Uh, I definitely um, I'm excited for the next few years. Hopefully we'll start using this a lot more. We'll see. But, Absolutely. But oh. I, I, we actually bring this point up that it's going to be really, you know, people got to realize it's going to take time to adopt this universally because people are not used to change of money. That, Like you said, there's only been, what, like four or five times that this has happened in humanity. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So in the long, sh when you look at it in our perspective, it's like, wow, that's yeah. like crazy. Well, it's, it's not just change of money. It's also it's just a whole different way of how to thinking, use it. Like, thinking, Because there's a huge learning curve. Like. I try to explain. I mean, I do. I do it all the time. But like sometimes when I explain wallets to people, they're like, "What?" So it's really confusing to them. So we still got to fix that learning curve. But but we see the future, and we're all on board on this one. So that works out nice. And uh, Rock, quick background: uh, Where are you from originally, and and what did you kind of do before you you actually like really went into? Was it before the before the marijuana business? Did you do anything else? Yeah, um, you know, I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. I. Uh, I guess I, you could go as far back as when I was six years old, I used to buy candy and sell it door to door and people loved it. They thought it was cool that there was a little kid not doing this for a fundraiser, just making money. And I sold Pokemon cards and I played nice. a video game called EverQuest. And uh, that's one of the few games I played serious? as well. <laughs> that's great. No man. way, man. Yeah. yeah, that's old school. It's about 20 years old now this year. Yeah. And it's still going. People are still playing it. I actually uh, logged on recently just to, for some nostalgia, and it's it's still the same kind of crazy Game of Thrones, you know, super hardcore nerd, like Dungeons and Dragons nerd people it is, stuff. It, oh, you yeah. know? it is. You know who, <laughs> I, who I used to play with that with? I used to play, uh, do you know Tom from MySpace? <laughs> I used to play no Everquest with Tom from MySpace. Yeah, it was you so did. funny. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. But, you know, speaking of, that, I have a, a cool story with that. Great. So that was actually kind of partially what we were getting into was, you know, things I did in the past. And the reason I brought up EverQuest was because I, me and my friend, I was 13, he was 15, and we found a way to hack EverQuest. <gasps> so this was not normal, you know. This was not like Diablo or some of these other games where hacking was pretty common. This was really unheard of. And so we figured out this way where we would hack it by packet bombing his computer. The game thought he wasn't there. He would, we would kill ourselves in the game and the game would think, wouldn't know we died because um, it's kind of complicated, but the game wouldn't know we died because it thought we weren't connected, but we were still slightly connected just with a really bad connection. Huh. And so we would have all of our stuff on our corpse and on our body. So we would double everything. And so we Whoa. started selling this platinum and one of the people we were selling it to was Jonathan Yantis, and he was partners with Brock Pierce at IGE, Internet Gaming Entertainment. And so this was 17 years ago, wow. and I was, I was selling digital currency, platinum, in this game to Brock Pierce and his partner, uh, Jonathan Yantis. So pretty crazy. I mean, it was digital currency you know, long before, um, long before Bitcoin came out. And so um, and I've seen, actually, Brock Pierce has mentioned that that was part of the reason him, his time selling currency in EverQuest was part of the reason his mind was open to the idea of cryptocurrencies originally. 
Again, we, we, we're very gaming centric on this and we believe in that same kind of like thought is that, you know, gamers kind of understand microtransactions and digital currency more than anybody. I, I, I played EverQuest too, but I come from Diablo and, and uh, all that jazz, you know, like I understand yeah. that. I understand it. So yeah, I guess for me too, like it really made sense to me right away. I wasn't, it didn't take long for me to understand it. It was just like maybe it's because this whole gaming theory. I don't know. It's I think it's pretty interesting. I, I'm seeing Brock a huge, I'm seeing two trends in this in this uh, industry, in in blockchain industry. I'm seeing two trends. One is people from coming from gaming who understand, hey, this has some value. We understand that this actually. This is has how value. I send something digitally. We yes. get that. And you know? and and this is I, this is useful to someone. They're willing to pay for it. This is useful to someone. And the other one is people who are international. Uh, travelers that, that are used to going from country to country, uh, have having to deal with the different exchange, uh, changing in, in fiat currency to fiat currency, to fiat currency, and the, the troubles that they go through. Yeah. So um, we uh, basically, I'm looking at two certain people to lead <laughs> to lead this movement. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, in my drawer, sitting in my drawer right now, I've got money from ten different cur- you know countries that I you know who knows when I'll use it. Some of these countries I haven't been to and four or five years and it just sits there that's a, that's wasted you know and if we all used bitcoin and had this you know or any of these currencies that are more easily transferable through exchanges and eventually it'll be all through smart wallets that'll do you know atomic swaps or you know um on the lightning network or these different pieces that'll just all do automatically and it won't just sit in my drawer until the next time i might go to that country you know it's crazy yeah. i got 15 dollars and i have 15 euros in my pocket that i'm just like oh man that's like one beer. <laughs> that's a beer that's funny <laughs> you just you just carry it around in your pocket to in rem- case you might use it someday. to remind me of the fact that i lost a beer and that hurts more <laughs> than anything else Wow. Well, dude, um, super excited to hear that you have sort of a, a gaming background, obviously, that and that kind of, you know, brought you here, sort of. So I'm really cool that you brought that up. That's awesome. I had no idea. Yeah, and it was it was a combination of different things in my life. I mean, it was it was the gaming, right, and the digital currencies then and selling them that made me kind of same as Brock Pierce, just open my mind to that these these there could be digital scarcity and it could have a value attached to it. And then there was, then you add now you were talking about trends of people in crypto. I've seen a lot of people coming from the cannabis industry, which maybe I I would think maybe the, the reasoning there might have to do with their values of, you know, not, not wanting to necessarily follow the rules. I mean, we did it legally or, you know, semi-legally it's kind of gray area for a long time, but people who don't necessarily think that the government should have their hands in every aspect of our lives, right and taking risks crypto is obviously a risk to some to many to me i actually you know surprisingly would say this is not a risk i think this is the future now you can risk in individual currencies and things but to me this this pandora's box has been opened and there is no going back yeah. this is happening well, you know I, whether well you know i I, I do have a question though about about uh, yeah. and you would know you would know more um in terms of how are the banks treating the how were the banks treating the, the those companies who are in the cannabis industry because i heard that a lot of them were getting just a lot of them their accounts were just getting shut down just simply because of what they were doing even though it was completely well they illegal. weren't yeah yeah they weren't treating them they weren't doing anything wow. with them so i mean you know there was there was some people trying to do stuff with certain banks and in, in certain states would kind of think about doing it but a lot of it was because it's federally it's illegal still so you know there was things with insurances you know fdic insurances with banks and and 
things like that, where if you were working in, a, you know, an industry that's illegal federally, your funds might not be covered and, and things like that. So there really wasn't anything. We did almost everything cash, um, you know, and it was tough. You know, we wanted to file taxes. We wanted to, we didn't want to break, you know, any laws and get in any trouble. Um, but it was really tough. You know, you go to several different accountants and they, they all tell you a different thing. Oh, here's how you do it. Oh, here's how you do it. Or you just don't do it. It's you get, you get all these differing opinions. That's, that's insane. And, and so I, I can see now, or I definitely see why people in the cannabis industry would absolutely gravitate towards, um, towards uh uh the crypto uh, having cryptocurrencies as, as an option because you know it's easy to do and it can be moved another another uh kind of there's the adult industry as well people who are in the adult industry that that also kind of go through that on an individual basis not so much on a business basis but but to, to an extent still and also native american tribes are having tons of trouble uh, trying to move their cash around and get and get and get a whole economy going so i know that for a fact that they're also turning to blockchain for that so it's um all of these people are moving so yeah keep an eye out so uh wow man uh super that a lot of stuff i had no idea the whole <laughs> everquest thing you surprised me there but um we're gonna move into what we call on our show the block news which is just topics we're going to talk about it so let's jump into block news <laughs> Um, so, guys, first one, because we're just coming off of talking a little bit about gaming-centric stuff. Uh, a Twitch streamer, sick underscore nerd, gets 70K in Bitcoin donations. Uh, what do you think of that? And that was just recently. Right, Daniel? Yeah, that was just... Um, that's a lot. <laughs> I don't know Wait, what... Wait, 70... So, 70K It wasn't in from Bit one person. It was from many... Diff it was a, from a few different people, and he got a total of about seventy k. Now, obviously, because of fluctuation, it's it's changed up and down from there. But like, he was surprised, but it was definitely they were valid. It, is that coincidence, or did someone do the first donation, and you think, oh, there were other crypto people watching him and being like, hey, I'll join in on this? I don't know how how appreciative. Like, I feel I feel like the people who are in gaming, the gamers, are so appreciative of these people who are streaming. Or are so entertained by people who are streaming. I, um, I mean, I get very entertained by watching uh, the Cowboys lose. But I'm not gonna give the Rams a bunch of money because, of that. like, I don't understand. Like, <laughs> I don't get it. Uh, I personally don't get. It, but listen, it's your money. You do what you want to do with it. Congrats to to this guy for being uh, able well, to entertain the right people. Rock, what do you what do you think about social tipping with cryptocurrency then? And 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 gaming's the the, the avenue for it. I think right or close to it yeah definitely one of them but i mean there's that's just one piece of it that's a that's probably what probably the biggest um probably i would say the biggest um volume for donations is these games tw twitch and all these um but there's a lot of other ones and and there's still some problems with this in this in the industry and and part of the problem is that cryptocurrencies are you know what you would call a push mechanism and not a pull mechanism so Basically, if you want to sign up with, you know, Patreon, um, and I recommend people go support your people on Patreon. Um, you know, I support Andreas Antonopoulos and Omar Bam and a bunch of other great people. But one of the problems is these guys like Andreas are not able to do cryptocurrency donations because it's it's a push mechanism. So you, you can't pull every month. You can't pull, say, if you want to do $10 a month. You can't set it so it pulls ten dollars out of your Bitcoin wallet every month because it's it's a push mechanism. You have to send every time. 
unless you have some kind of wallet set up that can do that. And I, I've heard there are some things being worked on now, but so far I haven't found anything that is very usable. Um, go ahead. No, I, I, at World CryptoCon, we were we were at there, and I remember um, we were talking to some people who were trying to make that happen. I feel it was Monarch. Was it? Monarch was trying to do that. I don't know if they ever did it, but that was the idea. It was if people want to pay stuff frequently, a monthly payment, a bill of some sort, but want to yeah. do it through crypto, it'll go through through Monarch. Monarch will turn it to fiat, and then they'll send the fiat to wherever. Yeah, I think I saw. I think I might have seen that name actually just last week. I think someone on on one of the forums might have been talking about that. I could be wrong, yeah, I but could, I think so. I could be wrong on Monarch, but I think that's the one thing that I remember being intriguing. But you're absolutely right. It's it's so difficult for people to use crypto sometimes, um, but hopefully it yeah. starts, starts moving towards the right direction. Yeah. And if there are options out there, I mean, there must not be very many good ones or safe ones, or else. I would. I'm sure that Andreas would be all over that because he's on Patreon right now, um, but he has no. You know, I've seen in his Patreon people asking, "How can we send you cryptocurrency?" And he doesn't really have any method for that. And so he's, you know, as diehard crypto as it gets, and gets most of his pay, his income is in uh, crypto. So it'll be nice to see when that happens. It surprises me that nothing's happened with that yet. Um, I think it would take some kind of wallet that would allow, um, you know, because it would have to sign your signature, your your private key every time it sends. So, to give any any software the permission to sign your with your private key is a little dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you're right. I think it's going to need. We're going to need a third party smart wallet that you yeah. that you personally put in a certain amount of funds right every month, and then you just allow them to use their signature to make the payment. So far, that's what absolutely take. Uh, absolutely. But, but it wouldn't be that you put all of your funds in there. You make sure that you put enough funds to cover your bills, mm-hmm. and then a little yeah, or maybe just padding or something. Yeah, or maybe set it up. You know, if you know that you you spend about twenty or thirty on Patreon or or whatever one of these new services every month, then maybe fund it with you know one hundred and fifty dollars. And this could be done through probably comes to mind Lightning. Uh, network would be great for this because then you would only pay one fee so you could open up a channel say with two hundred dollars and then allow that channel or that that third party to push that amount every month and then once it runs out maybe get a notification hey can you refund you know uh top off your your wallet yeah uh but speaking of which our coinboys logo does have an ethereum wallet attached to it in case anybody wants to uh, uh be really <laughs> our original cool. our original wallet it's, we started the podcast it's still right? on our website though if you go to our it's website true. thecoinboys.com ethereum logo wallet right there guys <laughs> just so it. you know just so you know that's funny uh just before we move on from this topic uh just want to give a shout out that this is actually a thing in gaming where they give donations at ridiculous amounts of money to shock the streamer there's a guy named Mr. Beast. <laughs> He's well known. He's given out up to thirty thousand to a hundred k, and he basically he shoot, why? He because this is why. And does he need a husband? He shoots himself. <laughs> no, no. It's actually pretty smart because he gets. It's not his money. He does it through companies that donate the money to donate as for his. So it's like advertisement. Sort of. of, but he shoots himself donating to these live streams live. Like the guy is live, and you watch it, and that's become a thing. So that's why this. 
I know this happens all the time where people get a lot of money, but a lot of Bitcoin is, is another story. So it's pretty cool. So wait, so what's the motivation for that? Because that's huge. That's people like huge watching. Mo- Imagine this guy's like, hey, I'm going to I'm going to donate him 30 grand right now. Watch everybody. And you watch the other side of it because you never see the donator video. You never see that. Guy. Okay, no, but I want to know why yeah. they're, they're doing so much in terms of donations because what, like a company it's, i it's, wouldn't spend more than 70 dollars i'll take football for example because i'm i, I equate esports to 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 yeah sports that were traditional sports that we're used to um i at first i was like why do people like like watching other people play a game and in the meantime meanwhile now i'm watching watch, basketball and football and now stuff how like about that. watching someone play a game while watching a guy donate to someone playing that a makes game. no sense that's like me watching <laughs> <laughs> that's like me watching a, a freaking uh owner uh, oh my god i'm, I'm forgetting all my, all my owners right now but like that's me watching a football owner going watch me sign this contract for the player and look at his face it's like what are you talking about have that's, you guys seen the thing. south park there's a south park episode on that where they're commenting on the people commenting on the people commenting on the game or whatever. That's yeah. insane. That's too much. I can't take. It's I can't be funny. that meta anymore, guys. I just need you to tell me why you're donating so much to All these right. people and how can I be that person. Well, Those are two questions I need to answer. Let's hey, get. Yeah, hey, go ahead. If if I could before we because we got into the technicals of that and there's just a couple of really cool stories. I'll uh, for I'll do it real quick. Yeah, yeah. But for the donating stuff, so going back, I mean, this isn't the first time this has been done. There was uh, some notable ones you guys might remember was the guy that did the buy Bitcoin behind Janet Yellen. Uh, it was, I forget, a Senate hearing yes. or Fed or something. Yeah, yes. That one, that guy made a ton of money. I think at the time it was like oh, yeah, thirty he, or $40,000 or something. A, he had awesome donations. That <laughs> yeah, there was another there was an, another one where someone did um, for their college education or something. It was like, hey, or send money for college food or something, and they got a ton of money. Um, and another really cool one um, was Andreas Antonopoulos. If you guys uh, saw this one, I'm, I, I, I want to tell it because a lot of people haven't heard this one, and I just love this story. Uh, just a really good story about how the community can really get behind people in this for this crypto movement. And um, so Andreas had mentioned you know, his Patreon, and I believe it was uh, Roger Ver, you know, <laughs> got on and on, I think, Twitter and started talking crap on Andreas, which is just, you are just, that's not smart in no. this community, right? And so he got on and was saying, how do you not, how do you need Patreon? Like, if you were a good business person, if you put any money away for as long as you've been in crypto, because he's been in crypto for since early, early you know, Andreas, like I think 2010 or 11. And so if he put any amount of money in it, he'd be rich. Right. And so he basically came in, Andreas responded and said, Hey, you know, I had student loans and I was spending all of my money to travel and keep preaching the word about crypto. Yeah, he was I was it. not trying. Yeah. He was using what, what he made from it. And he was in, de- he was still in debt, you know, for a while. And so all these people came out, and this is the really cool part of it. All these people came out and said, you know, fuck you, Roger. Oops, excuse me. Um, said, you know, screw you, Roger Bear. Um, and they all donated. And I think it was within like one night or two, 48 hours, they donated, I think it was a million or $2 million to Roger or to uh, Andreas. And That's he insane. just, you know, yeah, it's crazy. So really cool. There's a lot of opportunity for things like this in, in this space, especially because it's a global space. So you're not just getting donations from one country. It's completely global. Yeah, and we were going to talk about this story later, but I'll just bring it up now. There's uh, there's a father who just had a son uh, who just had a kid, and he put up in the local uh, in the local newspaper to please donate to my to my son's uh, 
son's college fund and he got quite a few donations and here's the thing it was in a newspaper and so he had a hand write the um the 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 public key <laughs> which means that everybody had to read that and do the public key. that's insane uh that's just too much but he it was successful so good on him good on all these people well, well at least he didn't have to draw the qr code <laughs> That's that. That would have been fun. that would have been great. All right, guys. So uh, moving on to our next story, I just wanted to kind of uh, bring this up because this happened right after our last block news. E- um, there was a big fifty-one percent attack on Ethereum Classic (ETC). Now, all this stuff happened. Coinbase was going to delist, delist, and all that stuff. But what I found more interesting uh, that I read recently is the the hacker actually returned. 100k worth of it is what the article had said but i don't know exactly how much it was in etc um i'd rather know that number because we know that money fluctuates like crazy and since since the attack etc actually has dropped in value quite a bit um but the fact that he's returned quite a bit of it um i respect those hacks i don't know about you guys but i kind of respect them because he's he did it to prove a point he wants to improve or she did it whoever the hacker was did it to prove a point that because they want to improve the space they want to they want to force us to make moves that that you know uh, not put a bandaid on a, on a, on a problem. Actually, have big solutions. In my opinion, you have no idea who this hacker is. Of course, dude. I don't. It could be the worst person in the world. It could be, but he gave back money, so still um, hacked. To prove a point. To prove a point. Okay. To help people, I I figure it's to help. So if I jump off the Brooklyn Bridge, you're gonna jump too. No, absolutely to not. Well, because be you proved your point. You're gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, point proven. True. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta go with Daniel on this. That I think the guy. I mean, there must be some good intent here, um, being that he did give the money back and probably had didn't have to, yeah, unless there was some reason that he had to. That I don't know. I, I actually just I didn't know about this until just now. Well, he didn't give but, all of it back, but but he did take a little reward for himself. I think. But hey, still. look, if if the money was in your hands and you were, you know, would you give back a hundred k if no one ever would have known? I mean. I'm I'm not saying any of us would or wouldn't, but it says something about the person's character no, and true. the fact that they are attacking the network, uh, these different networks. I mean, there's a lot of uh, you know kind of Bitcoin maximalists that have that are on forums that are openly have said, "Hey, let's attack some of these networks that have smaller hash rates to show people because most people in the space don't even understand when you have a debate about Bitcoin versus this versus that." People don't even talk about hash rate a lot of the time. And that's huge. That is the security of the network. That's what makes Bitcoin so strong. So when you are when you're when you have these people that say, hey, let's attack these smaller networks and show people, hey, you're putting your money in something that's vulnerable. Right. So they, a lot of it is they have good intent behind this. They think that Bitcoin is you know, the king and should stay the king and that these other networks should be, you know, people should be cautious putting their money in them. So I, I don't really have a problem with it. I mean, it's all the game theory all works out that these things, I mean, they're meant to be attacked. If they survive, it makes them stronger. So uh, it's all just, uh, it's fun to watch. I, I completely, I completely agree. Um, it's, here's the thing. I've just recently been starting to learn about, uh, or I wanted to see who, who has the most um, addresses that are being used. Who's uh, what's, what's being used out there more and as much as you know i have my opinions on the coin the eos network is consistently number one in use constantly being used tron is right behind it and i'm just going first off i don't even know what people are using it for i don't even know how people are using it the fact that that they have so many transactions happening in um uh, on a 24-hour basis is insane but but um in learning about these attacks you know you got to be it's it's good for the the average 
person like myself to know, listen, if it's a small coin, you have a higher risk of getting attacked and getting all your stuff just taken from you. And it's something to kind of keep in your mind when you're when you're investing in something. Um, simply because you don't want to lose that investment due to due to somebody just hijacking your stuff. Um, so definitely uh, keep a, uh, keep a look at the hash rate. Um, yeah, some of these coins have have such small hash rates that you could you can actually go on one of these cloud uh, you know these uh, cloud mining sites where you could rent hash power and you can attack it for I mean some of these are literally thousands of dollars like single digit thousands of dollars you can attack the network and do double spends I mean that's nuts you if anyone you know putting your money into something like that is just to me, it's just saying that you haven't researched the space enough. Um, you, you really need to stick with some of these higher hash rate uh, projects. You know, that's a big deal to me. And so I'm actually surprised that it didn't drop a lot more. The, the, the value of it didn't drop a whole lot, which, you know, there's two sides to it. One, I wouldn't have minded seeing it completely crumble to show people, hey, take this seriously. Um, but also, it actually kind of built makes the entire ecosystem a little more resilient that it didn't crumble because people realize you know and i'm kind of contradicting myself that a double spend you know and a 51 percent attack it doesn't destroy the network you know it, you can you can get a little bit of money a lot of time it's not really worth it financially so people are doing it for a, there's a they're trying to prove a point a lot of the time um but it doesn't destroy it. I mean, so now if you think about it, if Bitcoin, if someone ever succeeded in doing a 51% attack on Bitcoin, if Ethereum Classic didn't completely get destroyed from a 51% attack, I guess now we would probably expect that Bitcoin wouldn't be completely destroyed like some people think from a 51% attack. So I don't, it's, there's a lot of different pieces. Again, yeah. a lot of fun to watch how it's roll, you know, playing out. Yeah, you do bring up that. that that's, a good, that's a good way to look at it, too. Um, but you need you need users, and people always talk about working utility. But if you got no users, you got nothing. But so user yeah. base is important to look at. So yeah, and you know what you were talking about a second ago with EOS and Tron, and I I'm you know I might make some enemies because I, I know a lot of the guys, the developers and stuff over at EOS, <laughs> but but we're you know I'm constantly kind of debating with them about this and the users and everything. And I mean I I I don't care what anyone says. A lot of that EOS, the users and the transactions are, I mean, it is for sure a decent percent of those are not real because it doesn't cost money. Once you have the CPU staked in the different pieces, uh, the RAM and everything, you can just send money back and forth, you know, so you could just automate that. And a lot of that's going to be fake. And people are like, well, why would you want to do that? Well, if you're an app like, uh, you know, a dApp like BetDice, which has a lot of uh, transactions, and I've used it. It's kind of fun, I guess. I'm not really much of a gambler. Just I like to play with these things, though. But um, if uh, if you're BetDice and you want to bring people to your platform, what better way to do it than to act like you have tons of users? And this is so great. Then people want to come try it. It makes headlines. So um, how much of that is real? I don't know. My, my friend Kurt Bryant said he thinks it's it's probably below 20%. I, wow. I know some other people have guessed that it's up to 80 or 90% of it's fake. I would probably lean a little higher, like up, up there, that a lot of it is fake. I mean, it's all gambling stuff. So, I mean, is there really that? I don't know. I guess, who knows? But it, to me, um, and so you hear from different people, like Kurt says, if you look at the transactions, you could kind of get an idea for how what's fake and what's not. And he thinks it's lower. He, I respect him a lot. He's very smart. He's developed a ton of stuff, including like Blockfolio and stuff. But um, 
I don't know. I think it's higher. I, I just, it doesn't make sense to me that this, it would take off so fast that it has so many, um, you know, transactions, but who knows? It's really hard to say it's the blockchain, you know? Another story we have is about Bitmain. One of the biggest mining companies is closing in Texas, Daniel. Is yeah, that correct? And apparently Amsterdam as well. It's really well, weird, crazy. We'll check but on that. it definitely, um, they're, they're closing. They're, they are, they did state that they're closing a lot of things. Now, the reason why I, I focus a lot on Texas is just because um, there's a big trade war happening between China and the Americans due, um, due to the whole government situation. So the question becomes, is this in response to that? Is this in response to uh, is this in response to uh, just the fact that the, the market's so bare they have to lean they have to lean up their company? I don't know what, but it, it is a big tragedy to the people of Texas who were who were looking forward to this. They were supporting this. Texas had an, uh, the, that specific Texas, government uh, um, official had announced it and they were looking forward to it and 500 million dollars down the drain well i think it's it's their business relies on a lot of a lot of sales and comp- new people coming in that want to mine you know mine things so you know it's it's not cheap and if the market's not looking right then that investor might not be interested anymore so i think they're you know you it's like 2017 hit everyone like crazy all these companies became went it's almost like they went too big sometimes. Mm-hmm. Maybe they went too big some companies. Yeah. And they didn't like kind of narrow their niche, you know, and they just like kind of blew. But I understand you, you're out of control. Things are looking up, you know. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I'm sorry for Texas and Amsterdam because I, I do have here, they did exit Amsterdam. See? So that's another big city that they're gone from. So I don't know. Do you know much about um, Bitmain Rock? Yeah, a little bit. Um, so, I mean, they've been actually diversifying their, their mining facilities to s- different countries um, because, I mean, for a few reasons. But one of the, I mean, China, their electricity is really cheap. So that's that's why one of the reasons they've had such a good time there. Um, but, it, they've, you know, the Chinese government's regulations have not been so favorable to cryptocurrencies. They've, they've shut down exchanges and they've threatened some other things. And so they've been spreading out, doing operations in different countries in case, what if China completely shut it down? It's not unheard of for China to do things like this, right? They, you know, with Facebook and all these different other uh, uh, websites that they don't allow because they have their own, you know, way they do things in China. Um, Now, what you were saying, a lot of these companies expanded really quickly, partially because they all had very good margins. Their profit margins were insane when, when Ethereum was going up. So you could set up a mining facility really anywhere and be profitable, whether the electricity was high, low, real estate was high, low, labor, high, low, etc. So what's happening now that everything's tightening, you have to, you have to, all the the companies that had a lot of fat are having to either trim the fat or just shut down. And it's, it's making it so that only the most efficient miners or the miners that are willing to mine at a loss for long-term gains um, are the ones that are sticking around. So it would make sense to me that Texas, the electricity is not nearly as cheap as, as China for sure. So it would make sense that it would be less, less um, profitable there. So maybe they're going to focus on the places where it's still profitable. And um, I mean, they just, they hired so many people. They were, they went so big because we didn't know yeah. how big this thing was going to go before it, it, the bubble kind of burst. Uh, so, yeah. Well, I mean, it sucks because they just there's an article that just recently came out that saying that said Texas can and, and looks like will probably just go completely green because they're the only ones that can. They have enough solar, they have enough wind, and they have enough uh, other forms of energy to kind of run the whole entire state. 
24-7. I'm surprised. They're more conservative there. I would think they wouldn't be as green, but well, that's I, that's interesting. I was told it's actually not local Texans who are conservative. It's people who move to Texas thinking they're conservative and that they're the loudest. All right. Well, this isn't a <laughs> politics be, uh, podcast. So awesome. But no, but, so. <laughs> the, the, but it's huge for when it comes down to green energy. So I think Texas is trying to move towards more green energy. So I didn't know if Bitmain was going to be a part of that or not. That would have been really cool if they were. But um, if Texas can do that, they could probably get another mining company or, or some other tech company in there pretty quick. Um, I don't think mining's attractive right now. Um, and for me personally, since I've been around forever, and I know that mining's cool, but I think it wouldn't be, uh, for me as a person, a normal person, it wouldn't be make sense financially for me to start mining. In my opinion. absolutely not, Abs- especially in Los Angeles. Yeah, it would be That's the, the worst. worst. <laughs> so there's a lot of problems with you know i bet right now trying like that's a big problem sales they they probably just but look yeah they're going to narrow their plan now they're closing down but they're still lost money from all that stuff so uh, hopefully they could keep afloat through the hard times yeah um but uh speaking of uh keeping afloat eth is what's this whole forking maybe not forking what's going on i'm not i just i know they're saying that they're going to fork but i think right you have a better grasp on what's happening with ethereum and they're definitely yeah yeah, yeah. So, and a good segue coming in from what we we're talking about, because part of the reason that a lot of the mining now is actually becoming less profitable, and actually our CEO, Han Yun, uh, just did a great article about this, explaining kind of what's happening with the fork and the, how it affects miners, which yeah. is, you know, a big deal because, you know, the miners kind of get up in arms. And that, that's why, so part of this one is, um, so they were going to do, they were going to do a difficulty bomb. I think they switched it now. So the, the idea behind the difficulty bomb was to ease miners into less profit, purposely squeeze them out um, so that when uh, Ethereum switches to proof of stake, the miners will not have as much reason to rebel and fork off. So the whole idea is they don't want, they don't want the miners to fork away from Ethereum because they're against proof of stake because proof of stake destroys their business. There's no mining anymore, right? The yeah. mining is, you know, by just holding tokens, uh, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so right. they're trying to make the transition a little smoother by lowering the mining reward now from I think it's a three to two ratio. So about, um, what is that? A 30% drop. Seems like. Um, and that's, that's to purposely kind of squeeze out some of the less profitable miners and, and kind of tighten it up a little so that, and they're good. They may do this again. And then eventually that way there's not as the miners aren't as up in arms because they're already been kind of squeezed out slowly right. and been able to transition out or into other coins. Uh, I think like Zcash and some of these other um, GPU coins. Now that's very thoughtful, actually. <laughs> Did you yeah. put it up that way? That's actually very thoughtful of the Ethereum team to actually well, slowly transition out. The last thing they want is another fork, like like Ethereum Classic. Um, and so they're doing that. They're doing. I think they switch it though. They're not doing the. I think that I forget. You know what? Read that article. If we can maybe yeah, we'll put a, a link to that, that would be yeah, great. I'll be sure to put because he explains it. He explains it very well. Um, but I think they're, so they're switching it from the difficulty bomb now to, um, they're not, so they're not making the difficulty harder. I think they're just lowering the reward for now. I, I forget, yeah. How, but, um, and then they're doing has- some other things too. I mean, it's, it's all, so there's like, there's like four different, um, Ethereum, uh, improvement pro- proposals that are being worked into this first, uh, fork and it's not supposed to be, you know, any, uh, an actual fork. It should still just be one coin. You know, there's no, 
there's no miners threatening to to fork off so everybody's just going to go along with it which means it'll just be one chain um and then so there this is all part of their their transitions with the um serenity and uh casper yeah um and on all these different things i know that uh, vitalik had said i don't want to call it a fork it's technically i guess it's just technically called one just because of the way it works but he said this is more of an upgrade than a fork yeah. he's just they're just trying to get ready for to move to proof of stake um yeah uh, which i personally love especially because of the energy usage it's, but but then again there are uh, i like it for energy purposes but i see arguments against it in terms of um you know how how certain people will get rewards in the end when when all this gets said and done so we got to figure something out and the security aspect of it like we were talking about hash rate earlier um it's a totally different security model that is i wouldn't say untested there are coins doing it um Good but point. But it's, you know, these coins haven't become the world reserve currency yet. And we don't know if when they do, how easy or hard will it be? How resilient will they be to attacks? So, you know, Gregory Maxwell, you know, one of the Bitcoin core developers and uh, Adam Back and some of these guys, I, I was watching an interview with them the other day. And a lot of these proof of stake uh, suggestions that people are trying to use, they already looked at years ago. And, you know, Gregory Maxwell says, I was so excited about proof of stake. Um, but after looking at it, there was just too many downsides to it. There's too many trade-offs. You give up too much in either, whether it's, uh, you know, security or decentralization or, you know, you're kind of giving things up and maybe it's okay, but they don't, you know, the Bitcoin core developers don't want to be the ones to test that. So they'll allow some of these other projects to test it out. And if it works out, maybe someday Bitcoin could switch. It doesn't seem likely, but it's, you know, it is possible. They're, they're open-minded, which is, which is really cool. I think there's room for both uh, proof of work and proof of stake, um, uh, and and both of them have their strengths. I think for Bitcoin, I think proof of work uh, works better than proof of stake, just because proof of stake. I still feel there's some sort of slight centralization. I mean, obviously it's decentralized, but uh, in, in in many cases, but um, somebody's got to monitor that, um, and I don't think anybody on Bitcoin can. Essentially. Well, I like I like that. I mean, I, I trust Vitalik a lot. You know, I really do. Um, but and I'm a huge environmentalist. I mean, I went to school, have a degree in biology, did um, published research in, in genetics and environmentalism, all these things. And wow. so I I love it. But I want my money safe you know, bottom line. And so proof of work, it might be worth a trade off. And we don't know, you know, what the cost really is compared to if you, yeah, Bitcoin uses, they say 1% of the world's electricity at this point. And, you know, they argue that if it keeps going on that path, it'll use all the world's electricity. They said the same thing about the internet and that never happened. Um, it scales, you know, I mean, um, but, even still we're going but, towards green energy and that won't be an issue. Yeah, and some people say that 60 to 70% of all the mining is done using green energy already because it makes sense because it's profitable. You need cheap, you know, renew renewable uh, energies like solar that is cheap once you get it going um, to make your mining profitable. Yeah. Well, this has been an interesting. I actually probably learned more just listening to Rock than I did reading. Yeah, that was really informative, <laughs> man. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you so much for being on the show, man. Yeah, um, absolutely. Thank you for having me, you guys. Uh, like I said, I've been a fan for a while and uh, really, really glad to talk to you guys. Well, thanks so much. Uh, where can people find you uh, or get a hold of you guys or listen to you, so on and so forth? Yeah, um, I, you can find I'm on Twitter as Crypto Rocky, and we have the Cryptonaut Society on Facebook. Uh, it's a closed 
group. I think you can find it, but you have to send a, an invite and things. But maybe I could just, uh, and, and also our company, Lunar Digital Assets, I can give you their Twitter. Maybe uh, we could just put some links after the show would probably be the easiest. Sure. So people can write. Yeah, in. absolutely. Uh, I'll make sure to have some stuff in the description. We'll talk about it uh, off air. Yeah. And keep an eye out for, you know, articles by our company. We like to, um, we have, we have three pillars, which are research and insights, which is kind of our way of giving back to the community. And then we have our marketing arm, which we do huge community building for a lot of big projects, um, new crypto projects, ICOs, things like that. And then our third arm is our software development with our Lunar Labs trading tools, trading algorithms and bots, and uh, different other bots, like we have a Telegram bot we're developing and a bunch of cool software stuff. Um, but yeah, keep an eye out for the insights, the, the research and insights. Uh, we release a lot of articles to try to help the community. And yeah, we'll get a link to that uh, that article by Han, our CEO as well. Awesome, man. And uh, of course, you could find the Coinboys on thecoinboys.com and uh, SoundCloud, iTunes. All the buttons are there. It's, it's really easy. Instagram and Twitter oh, are yeah. now the same. Uh, they are the same now. I made the usernames. Now both are Coinboys Podcast. I don't know why they were different, <laughs> but they were. I'm glad they're Coinboys Podcast And now. please uh, call this number, 424-372-7437. You get to come on the show, hang with us like Rock did today. Uh, you know, you might not have much knowledge in the space, but we want you on anyway. We it have, doesn't We matter. have conversations. We, we have stuff we could talk about with you guys. We just appreciate the fans leaving messages and, and joining us. And uh, Rock, again, thanks, thanks man. Uh, we'll talk to you, I guess, soon. I'll probably see you at another event, whether it's Blockchain Beach or LA Local. Uh, yeah, they're, the Blockchain Beach is having another crypto yacht after the next conference happening, the, the security token conference All right. coming up in, I, I think, like a month or two. So hopefully this time you can make it too, Daniel. Yeah, hopefully I won't be like sick as a dog because my daughter sneezed yeah. on me. So, <laughs> so. And I, I'd also love to have you guys on our new podcast, Web3 Journal, as well. That'll that'll be great. I'd, yeah, I'd dude, love to have you guys. Definitely. We'd love that. That'd um, be fun. Again, everyone, enjoy the rest of your Monday evening uh, and check out our newest episode tomorrow. It's My Crypto with Taylor Monahan. Thanks, Thanks so everyone. much, guys.